What is up, everybody? Welcome back. New episode of a Tip of the Cap podcast. Cut me some slack here. I'm testing out a new microphone. I uh, just recently purchased a secondary microphone so I can interview people and not have to share a mic. Um, that being said, I've had a lot, a lot of interest in people coming on as guest hosts, guest stars, so on and so forth. Um, you know, and I have every intention on getting to every single one of them, hopefully more often than not having a second person. So it's not just me pontificating at you into a microphone. That being said, I have a couple specific things I wanted to talk about today. Um, topic numero uno only because it got brought to my attention from an umpiring friend of mine and got thrown my way um, because it involves some kids that are potential up-and-comers at my particular high school, which if you remember from the last episode or the first episode, the intro episode, whatever you want to call it, um, I'm the varsity assistant at Lancaster. And, you know, so obviously hearing from an umpire friend of mine that my kids are acting inappropriately or doing things that they shouldn't be doing on a field. Kind of disheartening. Um, So I guess what I wanted to talk about first and foremost is on-field decorum. How you act as a player and or a coach when you're on the field. Now, first and foremost, as a player... um, I was always deathly afraid that if I acted out in a certain way that my dad was going to absolutely whoop my butt. Um, You know, I played probably, I was probably, oh God, I was probably 18, 17, 18, somewhere in there. Uh, I remember playing for a 20 and under Babe Ruth Big League team through Lancaster and I was having a rough day. Um, I was just fighting myself at the plate, and we were losing to a team that we shouldn't have been losing to. And all of a sudden, we started building a little bit of a comeback. And I, I win, lose, or draw, it doesn't matter. Um, my last at bat of the day, I end up finally just pushing a gork shot over the first baseman's head, getting on first base, and the next, um, you know, the next pitcher to. Guy hitting behind me, hits the ball at the middle. Shortstop ranges, makes a play, flips the ball to second base. Second baseman, nowhere near the bag as I slide in. I mean, we're talking two feet off the base as they get me on the force out. And as the umpire rings me up, I proceed to go on a profanity-laced tirade. The likes that would make some modern-day music stars blush. Um, And... Should have been thrown out of the game. Should have been pulled by my coaches. Um, I remember my dad walked up to my coach at the time and said, take him off the field. Um, He's done. Take him off the field. Get him out of the game. And my coach said, you know, Ron, I got this. Go sit down. And he grabbed my stuff out of my bag. Told me to walk over me as I was sitting on the bench. Told me to stand up. Shoved my stuff into my chest. Shoved me back down on the bench and said, shut your mouth and go play the field. And when you get home, thank your dad 
because the only reason you're still in this game is because I don't listen to parents when I coach. So that was probably the only time. Okay, thrown helmet here, thrown bat there from time to time probably, but so minuscule I hardly remember them. Um, I believe it's far more common than it ever should be in adult baseball, but we're not here to talk about that. Um, you know, we're talking about at that, that rate, we'd be talking about guys who have pretty much gone beyond their, you know, what their career will be. And it's just, you know, diet, live to die another day on the, you know, on the diamond of the game they love. So but what I'm talking about is the, the rash of instances that you see nowadays of kids in high school and kids in prep baseball um, I think I've decided that the term I'm going to use for most of the travel ball that we'll be talking about and discussing in the programs and whatnot will be prep baseball. Um, a lot of, you know, you see a lot of things, um, through high school and through, you know, following a lot of prep accounts and stuff like that and different programs and whatnot of these kids doing things and saying things and acting in a way that, you know, would be highly frowned upon for lack of a better, or should be highly frowned upon for lack of a better terminology. Um, you know, it's one of those things that I look at it as, as a coach, it drives me nuts. Um, you know, at, at another extent there, it's become almost so prevalent that you know, you almost can't police it or you're not going to have a team. Um, you know, at certain extents, you know, you, I mean, we had a, we've had a small issue with it at the high school in the past. And, you know, you look at like, oh, you throw your helmet, you're going to get pulled. Well, next thing you know, you're sitting your top five players because, you know, in the first three innings, they all took a bat at bat. And now, you know, you're losing games and in high school, Winning is the name of the game. Um, winning and development are the names of the game because you can develop all players till you're blue in the face, but if you're not winning, people are going to start asking why they're paying you to do the job. And you know, I would never, I would never dream of sacrificing a player's development or a player's future in the game for a win. Um, you know, we try to be very open and have a very direct conversation with our players about how they feel, how they're physically holding up, how their sickness, health, soreness, pain, injuries, you know, bumps, bruises, whole nine yards, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, but when you're looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, the, the way that they act on field, you know, F-bombs and throwing stuff and bashing themselves in the helmet with the bat and, you know, getting, you know, then you get that to curtail and then it becomes, well, I'm going to put my stuff down, but then I'm going to, you know, punch the fence or, you know, punch the bench or do something that's out of sight. So the coach can hear it, but he can't really tell what I did because he didn't see it. And if he doesn't see it, what can he really do? Um, I don't really know where this, this rash of, I keep calling it a rash. Uh, I don't know where this, I, I, I don't even know what to call it. Um, you know, I don't know. I just don't know where it came from. You know, I remember growing up playing, you get guys that 
you know, there, there were definitely guys who got frustrated. There were definitely guys who got angry and it was just a thing that, you know, first off, especially 13 through high school, throwing equipment was, wasn't just getting pulled by our coach. It was an automatic ejection. It was, if the umpire saw it, heard it, if he heard, if he heard something, saw the helmet you were wearing rolling around and the bunch of bats flew, he tossed you. It was, you know, or at least that was always the underlying impression that we all got. Um, you know, so I'm curious as to going forward where this comes from, because, you know, I, the one thing I'll never understand, and this was always something when I coached for Team New Era that I, you know, I always harped on my guys about is that if you are playing for a program like this, you are a, at least considering a career of college baseball. You're at least considering playing at the next level. And the last thing you would ever want is to be a talented, talented player you know, and again, we're talking, you know, when I coached at New Era, it, New Era was the first and one of, if not the only, um, you know, and a couple other programs were young, fledgling programs at the time. You know, they were they were just getting their, you know, getting off, you know, getting off the, just starting up. Um, you know, so it, it becomes... The thing where you, know, you look at a kid like that and a program like that, and especially how that program was at the time, and say, you know, you can be a great player and you could have a really good school looking at you, and then you take one bad at bat in, you know, your first at bat of a game could be a bad at bat, and they see you drop f, you know, five six, you know, like loud f bombs, throw your bat, spike your helmet, and when one of your teammates tries to say, hey, man, don't worry about it, get it next time, your answer is go F yourself. And, you know, you end up being off that team's radar because what college coach wants to deal with that? You know, they, they want to deal with young men. They want they don't want to deal with children, little, with little babies who can't handle who can't handle a little adversity or not doing well. And, you know, especially early in a game, your first at bat or, you know, it, you know, the, the, we, we always talk about body language, you know, you, you go out, you make a play and, you know, you're riding high, you got your head up, your chest out and you're feeling yourself. But then, you know, the next day you boot the first play of the game and you're, you know, your shoulders slump and your head hangs and you're just, you know, it, it's eating you alive. And it, you, you know, and all of a sudden that stems again into the throwing stuff and swearing and everything else. And, you know, essentially embarrassing yourself. I don't know where it came from. Um, I don't know where this whole thing started. I don't know why it started. Part of me is is curious if there's so much pressure these days because so many teams claim to be so much. Um, you know, I have this conversation a lot that if you know, it's it's kind of the philosophy that if all are strong or if all are equal, then none are strong. And if every team in the area is a high-end elite program, then none of them are. Um, I don't believe that to be true. I believe that there are programs out there that are above and beyond some of the others. I think that there are people in charge of some of these programs that overshoot what they claim to be. Um, again, I'm not taking... I'm not taking shots at anybody in particular, and I'm not sitting here claiming that I know more or anything else, but all I know is 
I do know that if you have nine teams from Western New York that all claim to be elite at the same age group, somebody is better than somebody else. Somebody's at the top of that pecking order. Somebody's at the bottom. Or none of the teams are really all that strong. Um, you know, ideally, and this is something that's been talked about with a few people, you would like to see there be a way for the cream to rise to the top. Um, pardon me, I just took a sip of water there. You know, you would like to see some way, shape, or form for the kids that are above and beyond to be able to go above and beyond. Um, and obviously, I don't think a ranking system is the answer necessarily, but just a way for there to be tiers of some kind. You know, like a, a top tier, a mid tier, and you don't want to call it like a low tier, but like more of a local tier. You know, the, the team, you know, guys are playing local games against local competition, which are generally, you know, your your Legion Ball, your AAA, stuff like that, that can lead to something bigger and, you know, a state tournament, national tournament, stuff like that. Um, you know, and then expand into teams that travel more regionally and then maybe one team of the best of the best of that age group that goes, even if it's just a one big tournament, just to show off what Western New York has. You know, but then does that increase the pressure and does that increase the attitude? And again, and that's really what we're talking about is the on-field decorum. Um, I can tell you that I've seen coaches that act certain ways, that do say certain things that, you know, whether it's, you know, arguing every single ball and strike that's called or not called, that maybe that bleeds down into your team. You know, if you're sitting there and in the first inning, you get a, you get a strike call at the bottom of the front knee that you don't agree with. And from that point on, every call that's borderline that you don't agree with, you're riding that umpire. Maybe that, maybe that's why your shortstop is, you know, turning around and saying something to the umpire when he, you know, when he strikes out on a call that's been there all game, um, you know, at the same token, maybe that's not it. Maybe, you know, maybe you're the coach that, you know, they see you doing it in the fifth inning when you haven't said anything all day, but the zone's been inconsistent and, you know, you're just looking for something better and they see it as, well, I didn't do well. It's got to be somebody else's fault. And I think that's a, a lot of it is, you know, if I'm not doing well, I need to point a finger elsewhere. Uh, that's very, very common. I've come to find in this upcoming through generation is that when you're not performing well, it's not necessarily your fault. It's, you know, you're looking at it was bad. You know, that, that first strike wasn't a strike on the umpire. And, you know, the general answer that every coach on the planet gives, well, that's why you get three. You know, um, if you get to two strikes and that bad call strikes you out, you know, you look at yourself like, was there a spot in the at-bat that I could have put a better swing on a better pitch and not been in that position to put my at-bat in the umpire's hands? You know, I think we all talk enough as coaches and players and whatnot about the, you know, and even some friends of mine who are umpires and whatnot, just the level of consistent ability at the umpiring positions in Western New York that is a problem. Um, you know, got some guys do it for the money and don't care what the product looks like because what other option do you have? 
there's the Western New York umpires and the Niagara Frontier umpires. And to the best of my knowledge, that's it for Western New York, um, aside from your you know, occasional Little League umpiring crews that do younger house league games so they're not paying the big organizations. They can pay a 13- or 14-year-old kid to umpire the 11-year-olds, which I know Lancaster has done since, you know, well before I was, you know, I mean, when I was growing up, when I was playing 10U, we had 13- and 14-year-olds umpiring us. So, I mean, it's been been, been in practice quite some time. So, um, you know, maybe... Again, I don't have an answer, but I just, I know it's a problem. Um, I know it's an issue when I hear about my guys acting as, or guys who potentially want to play for me someday, acting a certain way in front of certain people who know or don't know that they know who I am or that me and, you know, my, the guy that I coach under at the, at the high school, um, I was told (laughs) <laughs> by my friend who uh, I don't know if he has heard the first intro podcast of this or not but I'm gonna try to get my buddy Eric on here uh, from the umpiring standpoint and maybe talk about some of this stuff um, you know he he messaged me right away and he said oh yeah it was you know player X player Y and player Z um, that I know for sure were you know we're saying and doing these things and you know when I told I pulled pulled the two of them aside and I was like you know not for nothing but you know, how do you think, you know, Coach Joswiak and Coach Alfonso would feel if they heard what you guys said and did here today at this game? And they kind of looked at me funny and I said, well, you know, I I do know them both personally and they will they will be hearing from me about this uh, because I think they should know how their players are carrying themselves outside of the school because at the end of the day, you know, you do represent our program, and I enjoy hearing from from college coaches and other um, programs and whatnot saying, you know, one of the greatest compliments we get is that, you know, you can send your kids our way anytime. You know, we'd, we'd love to have more Lancaster boys come our way, you know, but then when you hear stuff like this, it, that's the other side of that sword is, you know, you get the kids that are playing and they do things like this, and now it's, hey, did you hear what your guys were doing? Um, and some of the kids that I heard about was I was a little surprised, a little shocked. But I mean, again, I'm I'm curious as to where it comes from. You know, I'm curious as to where, you know, where this, where these actions stem, and you know how we got to this point. You know, because I mean, I feel like every team when I was growing up always had one of those guys, but and it was you know hit or miss whether or not he was there because he was having a good day. It, you know, you weren't going to see that side of them. Um, you know, then when I started coaching, it was a little more. Each team had a couple guys that had that potential. And now it just seems like it's just common ground that if you're having a rough day or you have a rough at bat, it's just here comes, you know, the anger, the attitude and the throwing stuff. Um, you know, I, I hope that you guys that listen to this, you know, chime in a little bit. Um, it's going to be something that, you know, maybe I touch on depending on who I'm talking to and if the conversation leads us there with different coaches, umpires, program heads, stuff like that. Um, and go from there. Um, the other, the other conversation I wanted to touch on, and I'm, I'm sitting right at the 20 minute mark right here of this podcast and I'm trying to keep them, especially when it's just me talking under a half hour, 
Um, so this is going to be a big one that I'm definitely going to touch on with different coaches and um, guys who run different programs in this area and whatnot. And I will give you my two cents as a pitching coach is you know use and abuse of pitchers and the pitch count rules. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of different varying thoughts on this. You know, there's some guys that'll sit there and say, well, you know, the high school pitch count rules, you know, they are what they are. And if I have a kid that if he threw X amount of pitches and he only needs two nights rest and one of those nights rest is considered the night he pitched, which I personally don't agree with, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, coaches who abide by that have definitely worked to our advantage in the past. Um you know, and I understand not having, you know, I've, I've, as a coach, especially in the high school coach, I've been more than blessed with depth of pitching. Um, from my very, very first year coaching guys like, you know, having my one and two being uh, George Weber and Shane Negan, and then having two other guys behind them that could both, you know, really throw well and threw some great innings for me, and then having four other relievers behind them two of which could spot start for me if need be, and then the other two being solid relievers, and then two more guys behind them that could eat innings effectively on top of that. You know, I mean, and at that point you're talking a 10-man bullpen in a, for a high school program, which is I understand how blessed I am to have that and to have that depth all the way through, hopefully, you know, barring health issues and other things, you know, having some talented young arms coming up through our system that, you know, we're hoping pan out and can make it an impact on the varsity team. Um, you know, so I, I don't necessarily have to worry as much as some coaches do with that. And again, that's not a brag. That's a blessing. Don't please don't get that twisted. But, you know, I see some of these high school coaches who go out there and they say, well, this is my arm. I have him. I kind of have one other guy. And after that, I really don't have much. I have guys that I hope can throw strikes that day. And good luck at where it's going, how fast it's getting there, and how effective it's going to be. Um, you know, and again, in the high school game, it's, you know, the name of the game is not just, not just developing players, but again, if you don't win, you're not, if you don't win, people are going to start asking questions of whether or not you're qualified to do the job. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. So, you know, the, the question is, I know there's a program in the area who will not let a player get above 85 pitches in a game for any reason. Um, you know, I'm, I, at the same time, I've heard, actually, there's been quite a few uh, times this year that I've been made aware of by, you know, different colleagues and friends and coworkers of mine of a kid that threw... 120 pitches on Sunday and then on Tuesday, on Monday night or Tuesday for a Legion game, he doesn't tell his coach that, you know, he's, he just, he threw that much the day before, two days before and goes out and starts the next game. And it's, you know, well, I want to compete and I want to win. It's like, well, yeah, you want to compete, you want to win, but what happens when you reach back to throw one and it just, there's nothing there anymore because you are throwing three to in games three to four days a week you're probably 
let's be honest, it's summer, school's out. You're probably not doing as much as you possibly could to be taking care of your arm after you throw, especially throwing deep into a count like that and going, getting up you know, well up over triple digits. And then trying to come back and play at all a day or two later. I mean, I'm sitting here, like my arm is actually like twitching thinking about that. And yet here we are seeing regular occurrences of kids throwing four innings in a semifinal and then you know the coach takes him out because he you know they they got a good solid lead and they have another pitcher who can get him through another arm that can get him through and then he starts the final in a tournament yeah it's one thing if a coach doesn't know that you pitched a day or two ago on another team and that that the onus of that does fall on the players and their parents a little bit um you know i'm i'm the coach that says like you need to talk to me i don't want to talk to mommy and daddy um you know, but sometimes, you know, mom and dad are the ones that have to step up and say, hey, why are you pitching him today? He threw, a, you know, he threw yesterday. And I look at them and say, one, why was why was he throwing yesterday? You know, being a high school coach, why did he, where did he pitch and why yesterday? And two, why didn't he tell me that? Um, you know, so I understand not knowing as a coach, like I try to have open dialogue with my guys. You know, and I always had to try to have open dialogue with my guys when I coached at, you know, when I coached for New Era and was dealing, especially with younger ages of kids still playing house or other travel ball on top of our, you know, on top of our our stuff. Um, so I understand, you know, again, being outside of the know, but at the same time, you know, you also have guys who do it for their travel team. Like they have, they have a 10 man roster at, 13, 14, 15U, and they have three games in a week, and then they're playing six games in a tournament over the weekend, which means most of your guys are throwing twice in four to five days, and you probably don't have the ability to throw each guy an inning or two multiple times a week. You're probably letting them go deep into starts. And I, I have a call... And I'm going to put this out there. I have a call to these travel coaches and these travel programs that if you're not deep enough to pitch through a tournament, you shouldn't be playing tournaments. If you do not, or if you do have the depth, but your league, like your your midweek games are putting you outside of that where your guys aren't fresh, like you, you have a guy throwing in a league game on Thursday and he's supposed to start Saturday for a tournament game, you probably shouldn't be playing that league game. I know we want to play more games. We want to get, you know, want to get want to log more innings for these guys. Get more at-bats for these guys. Get a deeper roster then. You know, it doesn't do them any good to log a ton of innings, log a ton of at-bats, to log, you know, to get, you know, 70 games in in a summer if you're putting six arms through those 70 games. You know, that... that when you're when you're talking, you have three kids throwing twice within a three day span for your team. That's a problem, um, you know. And I I understand that tournaments can be long and tournaments can be trying and tournaments can be, you know, especially longer ones. You know, the the the, the longer ones that are Thursday, Friday, Saturday playoffs on Sunday where you're playing one game Thursday, two Friday, you know, two Saturday, and then you seed out to a three round playoff on Sunday somehow. Things like that, like. Those can be trying, but your guys on Sunday probably through on Thursday, and if you manage it right, they're 
probably not somewhere in near the hundred or the triple digit pitch count, which they probably shouldn't be anyway. Um, you know, but then, like I said, if you're putting these seventy games on six arms, I mean, why? Like for what? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting here like thinking back, and you know, when when you walk into um, New Era again, which is where I used to coach when I coached uh, summer ball. You walk into anywhere and it's just there's trophies that just line the entire hallway. And that's great and it looks fantastic. And people walk in, and I've seen it for years. People walk in and they're just in awe of those trophies. At the same time, I'm at least I can speak for myself and a few um, friends or colleagues there that I've known throughout my years there would never risk a player's future for a trophy. You know, um, I can tell you countless stories of times that we went into semifinal and or championship games and went, we've spent all our arms to get here. Now what do we do? And we threw kids that weren't regular pitchers for us. We threw guys that, you know, were probably our ninth arm who threw a few bullpens over the winter and, you know, tried to play high octane pressing offense to get through that, you know, and at the same time, there were other weekends where we were like, Hey, you know, it worked out well. And we have two fresh arms for this championship game. And it's probably a toss up 50, 50 of which, you know, which one was more successful for us? Because sometimes the other team has seen all high end arms and are ready to hit whatever you throw at them. And then you throw some, you know, some, slower speed junk baller and it keeps him off balance for five innings and you know you can get a you can get a lead and you know figure it out from there and other times you know there's not a chance in hell you're getting through that game without a hot without one of your one of your better arms but at the same time that plastic trophy should not matter more than any one of those kids future because at the end of the day nobody's ever gotten to college because they won the lancer classic by pitching three complete games in a weekend Nobody's ever gotten drafted out of high school because they won every tournament they ever went to and they started at least two games every weekend on the mound. Nobody's ever been signed to a multi-million dollar contract because they went out and threw their shoulder out at 14. Those are absolute guaranteed facts. You know, the... The days of you know you would hear guys like oh he start you know he pitched he pitched pitched both games of a double header back you know back in the day yeah these guys weren't throwing I mean I got last year my high school team had a senior two seniors at least two juniors and two sophomores that all pushed around the eighty mile an hour mark I mean sophomores in high school pushing eighty miles an hour if not breaking eighty miles an hour. And there were two more, another sophomore and a freshman, that were up around there also. You know, according to my modified B coach, we had a kid that was in eighth grade that was throwing 76, 77, 78. You know, there were times that that was fast enough to throw professional baseballs as long as you can make the ball move and control it enough. You know, there were, there are guys that, you know, I mean, we, we had a guy top out 83 to 85 this year. And, I mean... There, there were times that that was blazing fast. Almost like, you know, you're you're talking 
you know, there was an era that guys that, you know, I mean, hell, even 15, 20 years ago, guys touching triple digits was like, holy cow. Now guys are hitting triple digits, and they're like, yeah, he's been sitting at 102 all day, topped out at 105. I understand that that's, you know, top-end, all-world-class speed, but, I mean, nowadays, everybody everybody sits 90, 95 to 97. You know, the, the guys... The guys that sit 88 to 91 and effectively dangle things off the corners and, you know, go out there and try to make an artwork masterpiece of it are far and few between. So these guys, these kids are throwing hard and they're given everything they got. And generally, a lot of them are underdeveloped physically because they're still growing and they haven't figured out what a weight room looks like and how to use it properly and how to be on a consistent regimen for their body to recover from these things. So... Cool, you went and won that trophy at the, you know, battle of the wherever against the six other local teams from the area that decided to go to that tournament at the end of May. And that's all well and good, but now that kid that threw game one and the championship is done for the summer, if not his career, because his elbow is shot. I mean, that's a problem, and we need to be better about it. Um... You know, and, and this is one of the things that I'm super, these are two topics I'm actually super intrigued to talk to, like I said, umpires, you know, especially on the on-field decorum, stuff like that, um, other coaches, program heads, even some players and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I can tell you that, you know, there were, for, for us at Lancaster, there were two specific times that we got the pleasure of facing um, a big arm from Jamestown and got lucky enough that he had thrown three or four days prior. And though the rule said he could throw and he said he was okay, he definitely did not have the same electricity to his arm that we heard other teams tell us that he had. Um, you know, and uh, that's why I think there's there needs to be more to it than just a rule that dictates all of those things. Um you know, like I said, I'm just, I, I'm intrigued to talk to other program heads, other coaches, and, you know, things of the sort to kind of just get the discussion started further. Because, I mean, personally, I hate the pitch count rule. I think, like I said, there's more to it than the pitch count rule. But at the same token, I think the pitch count rule was necessity just because of some of the, especially when you start talking smaller schools who may have, uh, uh, one really, really good pitcher and two other decent ball players, and then everything, everyone else is just okay. You know, and that's not a knock on anybody. That's not a knock on any programs or any schools. It's just sometimes that's the nature of a beast when you start talking about you know small schools, especially when you start talking Class C and Class D. So, um, you know, that's just again just an opinion. That's my my thought. But I also, I mean. Again, I already commented on the, how how blessed I've been with depth of depth of talent in my, you know, in my coaching career at Lancaster. So, um, you know, I know that other teams are also that fortunate. But you know, obviously, being at a, one of the biggest schools in Western New York, it kind of helps. Um, that being said, I think that's uh, I think that's gonna be a wrap. I'm just getting through the 35th minute here. Um, thanks for thanks for listening. This is uh, 
this is something again that you know as soon as I can get people to kind of work with me a little bit and hammer out like I said I've had a lot of a lot of interest um, you know I've had guys from full circuit the academy um, different umpires I've had different you know college I've had college coaches I've had players express interest and want to be on it just lo and behold the summer is a pretty pretty hectic time for most of these people so you know there were I'm going to figure it out. We're going to get uh, we're going to get some people on it. I'm hoping by the next time I put one of these out, I just wanted to you know put another one out because the first one, you know, and guys, thank you so much. 73 people listened to the first one. I never expected anywhere near that for my first posting. Um, I'm really hoping that you know this trend continues. So like this, share it, get it out there. You know, as it gets bigger and bigger, I you know I I would potentially consider putting out a at least a Twitter for it um just to post and comment on different topics and things of that nature um if that's something you guys would be interested in in being a thing let me know um and we'll go from there i mean you know again i want this to be as much everybody else's in the baseball communities as it is mine it just happens to be my voice you have to listen to right now because i'm the one with the microphone i'm the one that's got it set up and I want you guys to help me make this as awesome as it can be. So, like I said, thanks for listening. Uh, when I post this, I'm going to share it on my Twitter, Lancaster Baseball's Twitter, and the Hats, Tats, and Stats Twitter. If you're if you're a sports fan outside of baseball and want to want to listen to some funny stuff, go onto YouTube. You'll see me, my buddy Matt, my buddy Taylor, doing some podcasting. It's more of a video podcast, and some of our interactions are. Nothing short, but from hysterical. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this as much as I heard people enjoyed the first one. And um, yeah, if also if you're, uh, I got some friends out there that are small business owners and whatnot. If you guys want me to 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 you know plug something or you know shout out to a friend in a local business stuff like that, let me know because I am huge on supporting small business, local business, and friends. Um, I'll probably give a shout out in the next, you know, on the next one to a few of my local business owner friends or small business owner friends who may not be local, but you can still get their stuff. And we will go from there. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. And please, 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 please like, share, comment. Let me know how I can make this better. And we'll go from there. See you later, boys and girls.